Welcome to the first ever episode of What's Been Happening, a podcast discussing the latest entertainment and celebrity news. I'm Laura Pearson-Smith and every week I'll be joined by a fellow female millennial to discuss the showbiz headlines. This week I'm joined by blogger and music journalist at the Herald, Lisa Marie Ferla, or List Me. Um, so for anyone who hasn't, or who's, for anyone who's been under a rock this week and missed the Doctor Who news, can you kind of fill us in on what the big news has been? Very exciting news, particularly for um, nerdy science fiction fans like myself. They um, announced that for the first time, the actor to play Doctor Who is um, going to be a woman. Now, why is this so fascinating? Because I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan, but I do kind of grasp the idea that he can regenerate, change age, change looks. So why not sex? Exactly. Well, I suppose we have to stop now referring to the character as a he. Um, but yes, it, there seems to be a lot of pushback online to this idea that um, a time-travelling space alien with two hearts can change age, um, can change personality, can change accent. Obviously, the, the current incarnation is played by Glasgow's own, own Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Um, but the idea that this character can change gender apparently blows everybody's minds. I mean, it's fiction. You can do what you want with fiction. And I've never actually been interested in Doctor Who that much, but now it's a woman, surprisingly. I think I might be able to connect with it a bit more. Um, do you think more girls or women are going to start watching now? I hope so. I mean, you're not the first person who's um, who's said that. I don't know if you saw um, a video clip that was doing the rounds online at the um, at the weekends when the announcement was made, and it was this little girl who was watching the the video where the doctor was unveiled, and you know it was all done quite mysteriously. You see this character striding up a hill um, in a big heavy coat and a hood and you can't tell at all who it is and then you see a hand and the nails are quite nicely manicured and then you see a bit of a face and some eyelashes and this little girl shrieks doctor who's a girl Oh, and that's it was so cool. Just adorable. And I actually really like Jodie Whittaker. Um, for anyone who doesn't know who she is, she played um Beth Latimer, one of the main roles in Broadchurch. Um, and I think she's got a lot of energy, and she's going to be quite witty and bring some fun back to the role that we've maybe not had since David Tennant. I hope so. Well, I would disagree with that point, first of all, because I wasn't a huge fan of David Tennant's Doctor. This is when, okay. <laughs> you know, me being a little bit of a nerd comes out. But I do agree that um, a lot of the stories um, in Doctor Who have become quite stagnant over the past few years. There's, They're very complex. The storytelling has been very convoluted and a lot of the same old, old tropes get get played out and there's all yeah, this you know there's a again. there's a there's a female companion who's got something a little bit weird about her and maybe she's she's come back to save the doctor and it's all quite you know you're watching these kind of these characters basically going through the motions and this this casting announcement kind of blows it all out of the water I mean this was something that nerdy fans like myself were we were hoping for there's been hints in the in the present series that 
you know, there there is the, there was the potential for this to happen. Um, the Master, who is another time travelling space alien from the same planet as the Doctor, had his or their most recent incarnation was female as well. Is that and there's Alex a point. Kingston? No, was Alex Kingston's actually the Doctor's wife. I know. If I'm getting a bit. <laughs> A bit too geeky, then just stop me. But no, this is <laughs> so um, they had this this master who then became Missy, and there's a scene um, at the end of the last episode of the current series where John Sim, who played the the last guy master and Peter Capaldi's doctor, are are talking about how John Sim is going to regenerate into a woman, and he goes. Oh, so you're saying that the future is female then? And Peter Capaldi goes, we can only hope. Oh, okay, so this little clue is put in Absol- here, maybe. Absolutely. And do you think because the Doctor's now a woman that we're going to get a male assistant and who would you like to see take up that part? Well, this one's a bit difficult for me because I loved um, Pearl Mackey played Bill Potts in the last series and she was fantastic She's um, she brought a lot of life into the assistant companion style role and I'm going to be really sad to see the back of her, they haven't actually said she's out the show, but could you imagine how exciting it would be if they just had, you know, a female doctor and a female, and a female. companion yeah. well, why seen, not? Yeah, why not but I've seen some buzz online this morning that um, it might be Chris Marshall he was in my family and he does the BT adverts I don't that, know who he is but he's quite funny that would be interesting because um, some of some of the talk online before the casting announcement was made was that he was going to be the doctor and I think a lot of a lot of people like myself are quite disappointed by that idea Mm. because it was like oh here's another white guy actor playing this character that's been played by nothing but white guys for 60 years so that would be a bit of an interesting role reversal yeah I think it'd be quite good and he's also a bit older than they normally go for with the the companion idea and I think historically it's always been like a a young girl who, you know, looks up to the doctor. So having somebody who is a wee bit older and maybe in more that of role, an equal to the doctor. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. So we're just gonna to have to wait to see into next year. Yes. So this is another BBC themed story. They're not getting off lightly this week. Um the BBC Sally debate, do we care? Do we need to know? What do you think about it? It's really interesting, isn't it? But um, I think that a lot of the stushy around it has been because it's big personalities involved. I don't know. What do you think? I think we're all nosy. So, I mean, I'm not going to say no to finding out what everyone earns because I like a bit of gossip. But I do actually think that we need to know. I mean, I know it's technically our money and they're a public service broadcaster, but I don't really care how they spend it. I trust them to make the judgments themselves. And if they don't pay for these presenters, another channel will. So it's up to them to keep hold of the best talent, I suppose, to deliver what they've promised to deliver. And this is how they're doing it. And particularly because the BBC is the only broadcaster that's in this sort of 
public positions. So, you know, you've got the likes of ITV can pay its stars whatever they want and they have bigger budgets with which to do it. Yeah. So and that no one needs easy no. for them to attract talent. Exactly. I don't know if you know much about the um, gender pay gap reporting legislation that the government recently brought into force. Nothing. <laughs> That's why you're here. Um, so I'm definitely is... not a feminist. Um, <laughs> I believe that women and men should be paid equal, but I do still at the same time think men are better at some jobs and women are better at other jobs. <gasps> All the feminists are going to come in and attack me, aren't they? Um, Yeah, I do. I think women are better disposed to some jobs and men are disposed to other jobs. But if they are doing the same job, then they should be paid the same. Yeah. But I think it's difficult to work out here because some of these presenters um, that everyone's saying, Chris Evans, for example, earns four times more than Claudia Winkleman, who's the highest earning female at the BBC. He does so many different programmes, radio shows. It's very difficult to calculate exactly what that money's for. They don't just both do one show each and work the same hours. That's very true. And then you've got people like Graham Norton who are quoted with, you know, I think he was like the third highest figure among the ones that were listed, but that only related to pay that he received for, where he was paid directly by the BBC and not by you know, independent production companies. Yeah, he owns his companies, show yeah. As one that, you know, is, would be paid through one of his own production companies. But, yeah, there's, there's this kind of broader transparency drive that's going on at the moment um, to address gender pay gaps um, in big businesses and public sector organisations more generally. And um, legislation that came into force at the end of last year means that every public sector body and every listed company with more than 250 employees has to publish details of gender pay splits. Um, And they don't need need to publish, you know, what everybody's earning. But they need to publish um, the kind of broad percentage pay gap and also the number of men and women who are within each kind of 25% slice. So they have to publish... Out of our 25% of top earners, you know, 10 of them are men and two of them are women, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, And I think something like that, that's more of an interesting exercise than, you know, this broad, we're just going to put a figure out there and we're not going to explain what it's for and how it breaks down. People don't really understand the data and are just fixating on Chris Evans gets 2.2 million and Claudia Winkleman gets 400,000 and not really doing a comparison. I think it's more interesting to see further down an organisation how our roles split and what's the sort of overall position. Yeah, and I think it's difficult when you're paying... I mean, you and me all know as journalists and bloggers, whatever, um, we all get paid different things for the same job. Um, and it depends on how good a negotiator you are sometimes, how yeah, much definitely. you're willing to push for, how much you're willing to chance your luck for. And I know when I've done a lot of media training recently at the BBC and STV, they've said that when they phone up men to come on radio shows, they'll immediately say, sure, what's the fee? But women will be less confident about going on and they won't even ask about a fee. That's so really interesting. Do you think 
that has a lot to do with it as well. Is it just that men expect more, they demand more, they're better at negotiating maybe? Do you know, now that you said that, I don't think I have ever asked when I've been called up to a radio appearance what the fee actually is. <laughs> it just shows up in my bank account a few weeks yeah. later and I'm like, oh, cool, that's that's nice, God. That's that's a terrible thing to, to realise about oneself. So, so it might uh, just be a person... I mean, it might just be exactly what I said. Sexes might just be different in some ways or, or their conditions to be different that way. <laughs> Perhaps, um, and a lot of that is to do, I guess, with the way that people are raised and the portrayals of, I guess, going back to the Doctor Who discussion and going back to the um, thinking about the portrayals of working women that you see on TV. If you don't see them doing these negotiations, you don't know how to do it yourself or if you're supposed to be doing it. And I think, you know, as someone who works in the private sector, I mean, a couple of years ago, I had to negotiate quite a steep salary increase and you know I knew I was worth it and I had the facts and figures to back up that I was worth this amount of money but I had no idea what people in comparable roles were earning yeah and I think that's why I think that pay transparency generally is a good thing you know from that perspective because it, it I'm not saying that everyone needs to declare exactly what they're earning, but it gives people an idea of what they can be aiming for and not feel that they're being a cheeky cow, you know? Yeah, but maybe not specific earnings related to specific people because it's not really fair if you have to go into work the next day and find out that the person next to you is being paid four times more than you. Well, exactly. (laughs) And there, there being all sorts of reasons why that might be the case I mean there's certainly and this is the the angry feminist in me coming out there are structural issues why women may be paid less than men and it's a good idea to highlight those but it's not fair to go into individual cases and basically imply that somebody hasn't worked for what they're earning okay are you a fan of the Kardashians, Liz. I think I know the answer to this already, but we'll we'll press ahead. I wouldn't say I was a fan. Um, I'm kind of fascinated by the idea of people who seem to be really, really famous for not actually doing anything. But uh, no, I know know their names. That's a start. That's good. But, and they've kind of achieved what they want, I think, because all they really want, all that makes their shows work is that they want people to be fascinated by what they do and how they do it. So they're, they're doing the job. But Khloe Kardashian, one of the Kardashian sisters, she used to be married to basketball player Lamar Odom. And if you know anything about Lamar, you'll know that he got into quite a bit of bother about um, maybe three years ago or so now, um, cheating on Chloe, um, drugs, and basically he was found just about close to death in a brothel. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that. <laughs> no, he was found close to death in a brothel, um, and she was separated from him by this point because of his behaviour and drug dependency and 
prostitutes and things. But she and the whole Kardashian family, they came, they sat by his bedside because his family, he doesn't really have anyone he can rely on. They cared for him. They they looked after him. She basically looked after him for months and months and months after he managed to pull through and come out of hospital. But now, now that he can't play basketball anymore um, and he's not on the Kardashian show and he's he's realised that Chloe's not going to take him back, he's writing a tell-all book and he's getting about $10 million for it, apparently. Do you think that's fair? I think it's disgusting. Well, I mean, I had to I had to look this guy up because I had only ever heard his name in the context of him being an ex-Kardashian. And I know that the culture of sports personalities in the US is very different than it is over here. And perhaps there are people who are genuinely interested in this guy because he was a sporting hero of theirs. But my first thought was that well, he's basically just publishing a book to capitalise on the fact that he has a connection with this very famous family that people are interested in. And the report from the reports that I've seen, you know, he's talking about, or his sources are talking about spilling some very personal secrets about this family. And it does seem pretty mind-blowingly bad it does. And, you know, I think he realises that no one's actually interested, as bad as that might sound. They're not interested in Lamar as Lamar. They want to know about Lamar as an ex-Kardashian. And that's one whopping fee for a book. So he's going to have to give the publishers some really good content um, mm-hmm. for them to feel that they've paid a fair amount. Um, so he's talking about things like um, the Kim and Kanye splits, um, cosmetic surgery, whether Chloe's father really is um, Robert Kardashian, really personal secrets um, that I know they put the whole life out there, but they don't need to put everything out there. And these are things that they want to keep to themselves. And well, exactly. And I think my my thought about that was, I'm sure there are people that are going, oh, these these people put everything about themselves onto their TV show and they don't have any personal secrets. But the thing is, that show is so tightly done. I mean, everything that goes out in there is something that they've agreed that they want in the public domain. And the fact that you do share aspects of your life with people, I guess this is maybe thinking about it in terms of being a blogger and somebody who has written quite personal things and put them online. You You control when that goes out and you're not sacrificing every right that you have to a private life just because you've made some decisions to put some things in the public domain i mean i love the kardashians i really do i really actually respect them for what they've managed to achieve um and i don't think it's fair but will i read it yes probably (laughs) i will because i'm nosy well, that's the. I, I guess that's that's what it all comes down to, isn't it? You know, the the publishers clearly know what they're doing with their with their ten million. Yeah. I guess. I be, guess we'll just have to see. Yep, it's going to be one whopper of a book, I think. Thanks very much, Liz, for joining me today. Thank you for having me.